Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, a Cardinal podcast that, like this year's record, never should have happened. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. As always? That's bullshit. You weren't here last week. And I'm joined, like most of the time, like 95, 98% of the time, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hey, Nate H., how's it going? Good, I'm back. I'm back. We've got a lot to talk about, including... On this week's episode, we're going to take a look back at the nightmare season that is now over. We're going to take a... It's done. We're going to look at some of the financial commitments for 2024 and some decisions that the Cardinals have to make. We're going to check in on some of our mid-season predictions and a few of our prediction games. And we're going to talk about the playoffs and some news and notes from around the league. you have an idea for the opening bit tweet us at talk about birds hambone i'm back yeah we're we're here into spooky season there's no more cardinal baseball but i survived the trip and i'll say barely yeah um but it was good i'm i'm glad to be back i i've completed my journey to al raboski's ancestral grounds oh wow i've been to hungary I, I, I looked for his family crest to do some desecration. I couldn't find it. What? But <laughs> Matt Hungarian. Yeah. But what the hell were you trying to do? That's for me and, and the Lord to know. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to be left out of this. I support the Matt Hungarian and his lineage or whatever the hell you're talking about. I don't know. There was, there were no Roboskis. I looked okay. around. Yeah, I looked for the 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 gleaming reflection off of his shiny dome, and it was nowhere to be found. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't you glad, I'm glad I'm back. you're back? <laughs> it was a good trip. Yeah. Um, it definitely was the absolute worst thing I could do the week before running my first ever half marathon. Yeah, uh, they they are a a bready people. I ate a lot of stews, a lot of breads, which I guess you are supposed to carb load, but still um, a bunch of beers. It was it was great, though. A beautiful Budapest. Beautiful. I'll tell you yeah. this much. It was beautiful. I was I expected to enjoy it, but I was blown away. Uh, if you, what, was, if, what was the best thing you ate? I had a stew that I believe was pronounced Tenkasi or something like that. That was uh, a chicken. (laughs) Yeah, it's a JC. Uh, Yeah, actually, I should say before I get into all my stuff, I thought you and Kyle had a great episode last week. I hope everyone that's listening now listened last week. Kyle knew all the names and how to say all of them, which is better than we (laughs) we are uh, most of the time. And it was good to finally have him back on the show. Hopefully we do that again soon. I think I, I enjoyed a recording for once. It was great. Wow. Yeah. And I enjoyed not being on the show. So I don't know. Maybe we're on to something. Maybe yeah. maybe that's the path, the path forward. Um, 
But yeah, I ate. Uh, it was it was a a chicken and fried butter dumpling stew. Yeah, that sounds pretty good, dude. It was amazing. I was, I I, I was like full like halfway in and I was like well I I literally may never have this again so I'm just going to be a little pig boy and I ate the whole thing and it was wonderful you took it to the dome I took it straight to the dome bro wow. I did not hold back bro uh you know I watched fast 5 on the flight home which was great and that's really I felt like I was Vin Diesel that week, you know what I mean? I felt like I was Paul Walker that week, living my life one quarter mile at a time, you know what I mean? Me familia, you know. No. Cuz you <laughs> ate soup? What the f- Well, you know, actually, yes. First of all, yes. But also it's I, I ordered I ate stew twice there and both times it was not what I was expecting because when you think of a stew, you're thinking of a soup, right? Not the case. This was a flat dish with like separatedly portioned things. So you had like these green German <laughs> wheat noodles on one side of the dish. Sure. You had, you had like the chicken and, and cream and all that on another. And then you swirl it all together, but it is not a liquid. It is, it is, it is more like a pasta, frankly, yeah. but they call it a stew. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's pretty fascinating. You sound like you really dove into the culture <laughs> and, and got everything out of it. This should I went become to- a travel show. Yeah, I think so, too. I think I'm doing a great job. I went to a giant church, saw uh, a, an old dead hand. <laughs> That's actually a, pretty cool. Like, a, like a, a zombie hand or something? They had a king's hand. That's a, pretty cool. You, you know how the Catholics do, right? They like yeah. chop up their, their dead and turn them into relics. Uh, well, so, yeah, it was a king's hand. Wasn't there this? I'm probably way off on this, and I was I've like been to two Catholic masses in my life. But is it there's something like certain churches, like made for a certain amount of time, had like physical pieces of people who had attained sainthood in the church to determine their level of holiness of the church or something like that. So you would like go yeah. to a church that had a saint from 200 years ago's toe in the basement and that yeah. toe sanctified that church is like some level of superiority. I don't, yeah. I don't really like know. Like pieces but. of Charlemagne are just like spread across all of Europe, just making yeah. churches feel, feel, feel very powerful. I mean, it's pretty awesome. I would, I would like to see a, a chopped off hand in a church. That sounds rad. Yeah. It was a beautiful building, you know, um, beautiful yeah. building built for a hand built for a hand. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a wonderful trip. That was a lot. It was a lot of travel for basically three and a half days in Eastern Europe. But uh, had some some really good beer. I had some mead. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Uh, I had something called a some palinka, which is like a uh, it's like a brandy. Um, that was it was okay, but you know it's the experience of it. Um, shock of all shocks you traveled halfway across the world and were drunk the whole time <laughs> not Alky. really honestly honestly but uh you know you gotta you gotta you gotta try the local fare when in rome me, as they said when in rome um and then yeah i flew back i left at the equivalent of 2 a.m central time on friday and got home at 8 30 p.m and then 6 30 a.m on sunday I was in the car going out to St. Charles for the Missouri cowbell run. Uh, and I did my first ever half marathon cowbell run. Yeah. Um, 
It is what it sounds like. There were a fuck ton of cowbells. They were there were cowbells everywhere. People jingle jangling so, their little. So you were running like you, your submission or whatever your cost of entry didn't go to a charity or anything like that. It was just so people could bang cowbells while you were running. It's a great question because typically these do go to some charity, and I assume that underneath but you this, thought nah. Yeah, I was trying to fund the proliferation of cowbells. And if it did go to some sort of charity, I'm going to be really upset. And thus, of course, it is a cowbell based charity. Of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were people dressed as cows and stuff. I, I someday hope to I think I've I've realized my long term goal with these running like going and doing these running events. There's always like some person who's dressed in a full Batman costume that like straight runs the entire thing i think that's what i want i think i want to be the guy in the full batman costume that runs the full thing what do you mean runs the full thing what are you doing cartwheeling no okay. like a like a full marathon like Have you right ever now talked to a person before <laughs> <laughs> everything okay over there like right now i could not cart <laughs> right now i could not run a full marathon okay. so my goal would be to be able to run a full marathon while also in a full Batman costume. All right. Well, I believe yeah. in you. Thank you. Um, my leg basically gave out uh, about 90% of the way through and I did like an awkward limp run to get through the rest of it. But I meet my I met my goal and I did it and I was severely jet lagged and the, the most tired I've ever felt in my entire life that evening. Uh, but I did it. So <laughs> There we go. Sounds fun. And I'm back and I'm back to talk to you about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've been waiting on bated breath for, yeah. to hear anything about this. So it's very please, exciting. Thank you. Please die. Oh, yeah. I hope he dies. Just I maimed. Maimed. That'd be a rough outcome from a, from a half marathon. Never know. Could have gotten like hit a, by a car or something. Like I would have been cougar fine. With gets on the, on the, track all those cows about there's some bound to be some predators that's a good point it's a good point well while i was out the uh well what, what did you do while i was running around the country what you 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 do something you tell me what you did if you're so cool uh nothing just hung around yeah. that sounds way better <laughs> <laughs> that's way better than running a half marathon honestly yeah it was really nice relaxed yeah. took a load off i think i, I queued queued some meats Bought some records. Wow. Yeah. Stimulated Joe Biden's economy. <laughs> Finally, someone asked to. You're welcome. Yeah. When you said you queued, I thought you meant you just got in lines somewhere. You're so European. That's what they say in Europe. <laughs> God. <laughs> I had to be the guy who runs through customs screaming my flight is boarding my flight is boarding like like going through the zigzag of like hundreds of people in line um it was hectic but the the real story is that i was just waiting in line in feeling incredibly bad that i was about to miss my flight and then this other guy this real alpha he goes by screaming 
my pl- I'm, my flight is boarding. Please excuse me. Excuse me. My flight is boarding. Excuse me. So I just got behind that guy <laughs> and, huh. and rode and rode his uh, rode his sort of wake, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, like one of was, those stupid fish that follows the or latches onto a shark. Yeah, or like somebody who drives behind an ambulance to get through all the red lights. You know what I mean? That's uh, my kind of guy right there. Yeah, uh, but and I was the last person on my plane. Yeah, wow, you uh, really seem like your life is falling apart. I, I was almost stuck in Frankfurt. Sounds like a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> stuck in Frankfurt. Yeah. yeah, it does sound like Wes Anderson. Uh, all right, let's move on. I'm back and I'm yeah, back. I don't just care about any of this. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm back just in time for no more Cardinal baseball to talk about. So it was nice to end the season without you being here. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's nice that the season is over. This is not a feeling that I've had uh, for for a long time. Normally, the season coming to an end, even just going into like when the Cardinals make the playoffs, I still have. So it's it's a somber moment, the last day of the season. I'm excited about the playoffs, but I still feel like, man, I'm just there's no box scores to check every day. There's no, you know, like a full leagues day to to talk about or to think about. Um, but this year, yeah, like, there's no like come down right, from the season. You go from with five, six done. games so, a week to yeah. nothing, essentially, and watching other teams and trying to figure out the stupid playoff season broadcasting schedule on four different channels that are all on cable that you can't get through your MLB TV subscription that you pay for. Um, it's, yeah, it is. It's a slap in the face. It's the worst. It's so stupid. If we can sit on that for a minute, like I, I guess the MLB thinks that they can't have two playoff games going at the same time or three or four playoff games going at the same time. And that's why they want to do these like two o'clock in the afternoon games or three o'clock in the afternoon games. And that's just not how people consume content anymore, let alone baseball, which is I think a great sport to have multiple games going on at the same time. Um, I I don't under like, I don't know. The the different channels thing is a is a systemic problem that we've talked about a ton on this show and how stupid it is and how bad it is for access to the to the sport. But also making all these fans like if you work, I think you were putting it on Twitter, but like the Rays, you know, like one of the best teams in baseball, if you work a day job, you're just like, well, I guess I'm just not going to be able to really watch any of my playoff games this year. It's really dumb. It's I I would say the best matchup of the wild card series is the Rangers Rays series. I think those are probably the two best teams. Obviously, uh, the the Rays just got beat out by Baltimore um, and the Rangers had a great season and then just kind of slipped in the last week. And then you see that there are record. I think the Rays game on Tuesday, Rays Rangers game on Tuesday had the lowest playoff attendance since like 1910 or something yeah. like that. And it's well, yeah, you're doing it on a Tuesday. The game time is, I think it was two or three o'clock in the afternoon, local time for Floridians and, uh, and people aren't there. Of course they're not there. Um, also this game, because of the nature of the wild card and everything like that, like Texas fans didn't have, uh, any availability to make plans to fly out to Tampa Bay if they wanted to do that because, 
of the way that they slipped. Um, and, and then, yeah, the other thing, like my biggest problem is what you were hitting on earlier is like the regionality of baseball. And I would say like people like you and me are interested in watching that game and might pull it up or watch it on our phone. But the majority of watchers, they're going to be watching that game because they are Rangers or Rays fans. So why don't you just put it at a time where those people can watch it in real life or on television? Um, not during the workday. It's completely ridiculous. Uh, yeah, not to like the, uh, the, yeah, I have a lot of complaints. There's also like use the time zones that the teams are in, like take advantage of the fact that the twins are in the central time zone and make, uh, you know, it'll kind of naturally waterfall. Um, if people want to pay attention to more than one game, or you can do live cut-ins there. There's so many options. MLB is stupid. They're so bad yeah. at scheduling. It it baffles. Yeah, I, I, it it's as if they have like one TV crew, so they have to like fly them around the country really quickly to be able to host these different games. I I'm tr- I've tried to think of why they do it this way because there must be like there must be a decision. At least I I assume there's a thoughtfulness well, behind the decision uh, and. It, I, 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 don't I think it's pretty obvious. The The Rangers are the second team in Texas and nobody cares about the Rays, uh, even though I argue that's the best matchup. But if you look at what games are happening in primetime, these three games, it's Marlins and Phillies. Phillies obviously have a rabid fan base and they have star power. The Marlins just happen to be playing them in Philly. That's where ESPN wants to be. That's where they want to point all the cameras and all the stars and put Bryce Harper on TV. So they just prioritize that ESPN's, uh, either ESPN, ESPN two or ABC is showing all of these games. So they get to choose it. Um, and MLB is just kind of bending to them. And I don't know. I, I find it ridiculous. Yeah. yeah a playoff game during the day is stupid. Full stop. Yeah. What is this? Like 1910 last year, I had to watch the Cardinals lose while I was working. Yeah. No one should have to do that. It's terrible. Now, now, of course, to be clear or to be fair, you know, not everybody works standard day jobs and and day games are probably wonderful for people in the service industry and stuff like that. So uh, I could I would think maybe on a longer series, you know, giving a a day game here or there because baseball is frequently played during the day, too. Uh, or a day game over the weekend is is fine. But these like first these short series where your team has a very high possibility of only playing two playoff games, putting them both in day games. It's yeah, it's frustrating for a lot of people, including us who aren't even like, you know, parts of those fan bases. So anyway, um, so the, the, the nightmare season is over. Ben, how how do you want to wrap this up? I mean, we're going to be talking about the 2023 season for quite a while, uh, you know, probably forever. This is unfortunately a bit of a uh, uh, a low mark season and one that you know is likely to have some ramifications long term on the team. So I think we'll be talking about the team for a while. But this episode, we are going to be wrapping up a few things around this season. Um, yeah. Some of the- predictions and whatnot that we did later on as well. But um, how do you want to, what, what are you thinking for this initial conversation as we sort of look back on, on 2023 now that it's finally over? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, and I agree. We'll have to like ponder on this and think about this and I'll, I'll be more eloquent hopefully in the future. And, but I, I kind of wanted to just mm. hit on some big numbers uh, 
you know, post uh, looking at the season, 30,000 foot view and kind of what happened and potentially why it happened. So first half, the Cardinals went 38 and 52 uh, for a 422 uh, win loss percentage, 422. Uh, obviously not very good. That's really what killed the team. That first half just wasn't working. The run differential wasn't horrible, but obviously not great. The second half, they improved 33 and 39 for 458 uh, run differential. And as we know, most of that second half was played with many players being shipped off. Many of the Cardinals best players and best pitchers being shipped off. So I, I think that that really speaks to the slog that was the first half of the season and the, like I really believe if this was just played over again, the Cardinals would probably have a 500 record. I think that that may have been this team's ceiling um, right. is is somewhere around there. But just the way that things were rolling, the way that things were like stacking, this is how it worked out. Um, yeah. But I, I thought that that was an interesting number. The fact that they cut their team in half, essentially, and performed better, which this podcast predicted. We thought that something like this was going to happen. Um, it almost and, had and to. It almost had to. It really did. It's also worth calling out that the last two or three weeks of the season, basically everybody was on the IL. All of them. Yeah, those those lineups. The last two weeks of the season were uh, were pretty rough. And, uh, you know, Arenado, Contreras, Gorman, O'Neal. I mean, the, the vast majority of the key contributors of this season and the people you expect to have carried the team were gone. And we had right. Fermin and, you know, just a bunch of other guys that it's like already forgotten. Some of these people that are probably not going to be here next year either. That, well, that's the thing. The Cardinals had more rookies, uh, more unknowns played uh, for this team, the 2023 team than they had ever had in the history of the Cardinals. Um, and in most of those guys, like you said, we will never see again. That was just the way that the season was. Another stat that I think was really important this year is the Cardinals' performance in one-run games. Uh, they went 17. Uh, they had 17 wins and 26 losses in one-run games. They had 164 runs scored in these matches versus 173 and a winning percentage of 395. So they were outscored. All, all of that put together by nine runs in one run games, which really just speaks to the fact that like that is how small uh, th- that is how little wiggle room that is how much if one player having a good offensive year, one player being healthy, like that is the slimmest of margins of mm-hmm. completely turning around the Cardinal season. Yeah, yeah. And that's where um, things like Pythagorean you know, tries to come into play and account for that. And even with uh, Pythagorean, uh, you know, the Cardinals true likely outcome this year was a 71 and 91 record. So still not great, but better than, uh, you know, what we saw. Um, but the the one run thing is is really where the most luck comes through in, in a season. And you'll see that often the teams that have the best records have the best record in one run games and the teams that have the worst records have the worst record in one run games that can also be spelled out though from bad bullpen um it, if you have a bad bullpen you're losing a lot of one run games because you're blowing them late the teams are winning and extras things like that where one run really comes into play so it's not tr- just luck but it is there is some luck in a, in a one run game um so 
yeah, it wouldn't have taken much to flip this season. Still, neither of us are saying that this team like was almost a playoff team and a little bit of bad luck, you know, screwed them out of it. Like they're probably missing the playoffs no matter what uh, with the performances that we got this year. But you could see a little bit of luck back in the Cardinals direction and you know, maybe you feel better about how this season went down. Yeah. And I'm talking about like being going from being last place in the division to having a 500 record or, or something around there. Um, speaking of the division, I think this is another thing that was pretty surprising to me. And I would think like you, the, uh, AL central is the worst division in baseball. The NL mm-hmm. Central is the second worst division in baseball. So I was curious, how did the Cardinals end up performing against their NL Central rivals, who are uh, teams that before, you know, six months ago, we would have thought the Cardinals would have spanked pretty much everybody in this division. The Reds are the only team, which is funny because they are the maybe the more exciting and one of the more athletic and surprising teams of the season. That was the only team in the Central that Cardinals had an over 500 winning percentage against they went seven and six so again just barely uh they lost the season series to the brewers five to eight uh the cubs they lost five to eight and the pittsburgh pirates they lost four to nine that's four wins against (laughs) nine losses against the pittsburgh pirates who i think buzzsaw they're they are the worst team in the division obviously the cardinals have the worst record but talent wise and whole team package everything put together and I think, you know, you actually, if you flip, so that's 21 wins in division and 31 losses. If you flip those numbers, the Cardinals are 81 and 81. They, yeah. that, that is, you know, that, and again, I'm not saying we should be striving for 500 or anything like that, but if you can beat up on the teams in the central who are bad, um, except for the Brewers and the Cubs obviously had a, a really nice month and a half, two month stretch this year. Um, then again, the season looks way different. And if you're taking those wins away from your central division rivals, the standings look different because you're subtracting those 31 wins from your rival teams. Um, you know, it, it's just another thing to point the finger at. Um, and again, I'm not making excuses. The Cardinals are where they deserve to be. Um, and we'll talk more about that later, you but gotta, I think it's another pretty telling number. You gotta beat the pirates. You gotta beat the reds you got to beat the cubs the brewers we expected it to be a tight series season against and they were okay against the brewers but that four and nine against the pirates i mean you can't have a you can't have a good season that when you're when you're getting trounced by the worst team in the division and you know the worst team in the nl maybe close no colorado is the worst team in the national League. yeah okay as a Denverite and a uh, quote unquote Rockies fan, I promise you, Colorado is the worst team yeah. in the National League. Yeah. Yeah. Nolan That's Jones. Good. Let's go, Nolan Jones. He's a guy. He seems good. Pretty high bat yeah. bit, though. That might, we'll see how he does next year. But yeah, I mean, well, well I have a Rockies note I'll hit later, but yeah, it's, it's a okay. whole thing. Um, yeah. So th- all those things are true. It's very disappointing. How do you not beat up on the Pirates? How do you not beat on the young Reds with their Swiss cheese pitching? Um, how do you not make it more competitive with the Cubbies? Um, and yeah, you have to be better against the Brewers if you're going to win this division. They are the cream of the crop, at least in 2023. So that's just how it is. 
Another thing um, that really stuck out, and again, I was just kind of cherry picking and looking for gaps, but the Cardinals were a bad defensive team this year. Yeah. And we've talked about at length why that is. And that's Jordan Walker's fault. That's um, our second baseman's fault. That's Nolan Arenado not being great at the beginning of the season. We really never had our center fielder. Uh, We really never had our left fielder. um, And catching took a big step back. Uh, that we knew was coming, but the other ones were, were a bit of a surprise. Um, so the Cardinals were above average at two things on defense this year. Um, and I think that you can guess one of these. I don't think you'll be able to guess the other ones. Would you like to try to guess? And this is just above average. I'm not saying amazing or elite, um, but think of how the Cardinals are constructed. Think of what they're good at defensively and, and try to guess which stat they, they did quite well in. That's a good question. Um, I'm probably going to be overthinking this, but I'm going to say, how about outfield assists? You're very close. So, uh, fa- uh Fangraphs has a like a arm rating, like an arm yeah. strength rating, and the Cardinals as a team ranked eighth overall. Um, okay. so, so that's you what got, I was I, thinking of yeah. was yeah, arm arm strength, and and like even when Jordan Walker was bad in right field he could throw people out right yeah um speaking of so that th- that play against tatis that last Padre series was insane oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's looking better and better he he looks i, I thought we talked about this a couple of weeks ago but more and more i think he can be a right fielder yeah. in the big leagues and i the- would not be surprised if he comes back in spring training and looks like a different guy out there yeah yeah um okay so arm strength is is one of um so there's another one you're saying that they were above average on yeah and this one but, you you won't guess if you want to try go for it but i yeah i will guarantee you won't guess it my other thought was something that was is another version of arm strength but it's different was that i i felt like they were still really good at turning double plays i don't know if that is what even in this realm of what you're talking about yeah, they were mid middle to average as far as turning okay. double plays um i bet that that goes up next year with gorman and Wynn likely getting the most yeah. starts there and the arm strength that they have um but we'll see but it was a stat i had never heard of this stat before okay um and i had to google it aggressively to even truly understand what it was so this is mm-hmm. why i knew you would not okay get well it. i feel a little bit better yeah but it was it's an advanced um, defensive metric brought to you by Fangraphs and Fielding Bible. It's called RGFP, uh, which is, I won't even get into it, but really all that it means is catcher blocking. And the Cardinals mm. were second. This subtracts wild pitches, but catchers blocking pitches in the er, in the dirt and uh, keeping them in front of them. So the Cardinals were second in baseball to that. So, okay. you know, well. we, we can, you know, Wilson did not have great framing numbers. Andrew Kisner did not have great framing numbers. They are throwing guys out at an okay level, but they are both very good at blocking pitches. In the that is important. I mean, a uh, uh, pitch gets past the the catcher. I mean, we all know the, the chaos that can ensue from that. So yeah. um, that's good. They're good at that. So and that's it. <laughs> when we have robot umps, framing isn't going to matter. So the Cardinals are uh, are ahead of the curve, so to speak, uh, on this, I think. I think you're right. I think that like if and I don't want to give Mo and Co. too much credit, but if that was their thought process in signing Wilson Contreras, that robo umps are coming sooner than later, 
And I think that that's fine and dandy. Um, and they did get ahead of it. And Wilson Contreras is probably the best catcher in baseball <laughs> in that world. Yeah. Cause he can throw and he can yeah. hit. He can throw and, and he can, can block. Yeah. What, what else, else do you do? do? Yeah. Yeah. So other than those two stats, the Cardinals were average or below average in every other defensive stat cool. as a team. Cool. So, all right. So bad defensively, bad offensively and bad pitching. Yeah. Cool. Cool season. Easy cool to turn season. around. <laughs> Easy to turn around. Yeah. I mean, that it does beg the question, like, what do you do to turn it around? Do you like... I think the defense or sorry, the position player group is pretty set, right? Like right. there's a lot to do on the pitching. Um, and, and I think that you can assume like it, it, it would be hard to imagine a world where the outfield and the infield are as injured as they are, as they were this year. Um, yeah, it is easy for me to imagine Gorman and Walker taking another step forward defensively. It is easy for me to imagine Nolan Arenado will go back to being a positive defender for the Cardinals for 160 games next year. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I, I don't, it's hard for me to imagine this defense being elite next year. Yeah. I think there is the uh, X factor of Mason Wynn. If, if he can hit enough or the rest of the offense can be good enough to where he can just be a defensive specialist while his uh, bat develops having what could be an elite shortstop makes the entire rest of the infield look better. And then if, uh, like you said, if Walker improves and even someone like Newt Barr is healthy, which does feel like an if, right? Like you could see where these numbers, they're maybe not going to be elite like they used to be. Well, win could be, but it won't be as such a liability. And then also the, the big, the big question is of course the pitching because everything comes back down from there. Bad pitching, but means more balls in play means more opportunity for defense. And if your defense is mediocre, it's being exposed more and more. Uh, the Cardinals have said they're going to prioritize swing and miss, which obviously reduces the need of defense as well. You know, you could see a world where truly solving the pitching problem has these downstream effects to also solve the defense. But I think we're both kind of skeptical that the Cardinals are going to truly solve the pitching uh, and more rely on some more lottery tickets and gambles and hopes for breakouts from internal options. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it's really not looking good. Be, not only because of what you just said, we've talked about the fact that there are so many pitching free agents. I think the market is going to be crazy. I do think that the days of the David Price contract for starting pitchers is, are done. I, I don't think that people are going to pay pitchers like that anymore. Um, like, I don't know, maybe a more relevant one or a more current, like Max Scherzer, was that after the fact or we're like, or yeah, let's well, we'll talk about more about like Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander's more recent uh, contracts. I do think that that is the future. I do not think that pitchers are going to get signed to seven, eight year deals for 200 plus million um, unless they are 
I, 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 if Spencer Strider went on the market right now or, or something that I cannot predict, but I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, because of how fragile they are and how many pitchers are getting injured. But uh, yeah, of course, I question their ability to do anything interesting with pitching in the offseason. Yeah, I just pulled up Carlos Rodon's contract, which I think we were all very disappointed when the Cardinals did not do this. And that was 6-162. Yeah. Which obviously that has been a short-term failure for the Yankees. We'll see how that contract ultimately shapes up. Um, but, you know, he was also a unique one because he he has the most injured tag of all injury prone tags. Right. And then he basically had like one and a half really good years before becoming a free agent and and got paid for it from the Yankees. Um, and the Yankees have pitching. Yeah, they have the site, the probable Cy Young winner. They have. Uh, guys like Clark Schmidt and Michael King and, you know, Domingo Herman, even though he's got every issue mm-hmm. that you could possibly yeah. think of, they, they have other options. Um, so for them, it was, it was more reinforcements than a shining white knight coming to save the day, you know? Yeah. I do think Yamamoto is going to approach 200 million, if not more. Um, but that's partly because he's 25. I believe he might be right. 26 when he hits the market, which is what David Price was, which is why that contract was so big as well. Um, you know, it hit that, that, that age range of 25 to 26 free agency is, is so rare, uh, that usually gets you, um, a couple more zeros, but yeah, yeah I, I I think guys like that makes sense, but like I, I am kind of of the opinion now, and I'll I'll stake my claim that like Snell, Nola, some of these other guys that are you know thirty or around that age, they are not going to eclipse two hundred million. Jordan Montgomery, I don't think is going to eclipse two hundred million. I think that the majority of these guys in that the, your average aged free agent starting pitcher that those massive contracts are a thing of the past at this point. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. I it it seems like a, incredibly unlikely for any thirty year old pitcher to get a ten year deal, because that's when those numbers start to really explode, right? The the three hundred million dollar deals, et cetera. Um, but I think their AAV is still going to be very high, which yeah, well, it you know is what really like I think you know when when we talk about the Cardinals like. The length is whatever. We're looking at what is their budget going to be able to take in next year. And these guys are still going to want to get paid. And they're still going to want to be seen as some of the highest paid players in baseball. Blake Snell wins the Cy Young this year, which is very, very, very likely. He will now have two Cy Youngs under his belt, becoming off of one. He'll be 30 years old. I agree with you. He's probably not going to want $200 million, But that's going to be more because he's not going to get an eight, nine-year deal. He's going to want... 5180, you know, yeah. so he's getting 35 million a year or whatever. And he now can say he's the highest paid pitcher. He wouldn't be at yeah. that, but you know what I mean? He like these guys that the whole, the, the way the union runs it and the way the whole system works is that these guys want to beat the contracts of people who are out there pitching right now being less effective than them. Right. Sure. But what I'm telling you is I think that that market is going to dip and I think it's going to be this off season. Um, yeah. And I think 
when you have, I'm just going to list some names. Uh, I think we have, or wait, this list might be, oh yeah, no, sorry. I'm, wow. Next year's list looks even crazier than this year's list. Um, but, uh, yeah, sorry. I don't have the list in front of me right now, but I, I just think that a lot of those names are not going to get what I, I just think it's going to take a step back. It's just a prediction. We'll see what happens. Um, of course, somebody will probably pay one of these guys, but I think on the whole, it'll take a step back. Yeah, I guess it just depends on what like I, I could see AAV still going up, um, but total dollar value. I, I I tend to agree with you that that's probably going down, but I guess we'll see. And we're hoping that the I, I think the Cardinals are not going to be in that top. I, everyone's pointing to Sonny Gray and I get it because he's probably the bottom end of the top end because of his age, but he might have pitched himself out of that uh bottom end of the top end range if that makes sense like he's gonna want a, a fat paycheck as well yeah yeah I, yeah i don't have anything positive to say i'm not feeling great about what the cardinals are going to do <laughs> we'll see we've got uh weeks after weeks after weeks of this show to to track how that's going um but of course none of this is really gonna move forward uh for at least another month as the as the playoffs run through. Um, so what do you want to, what do you want to talk about next? We're kind of, we're kind of wide ranging here right now. Yeah. Let's, let's get on. back to the Cardinals. Let's talk about Adam Wainwright. It, it came out this mm-hmm. week that, uh, he was pitching with a torn labrum. Um, we don't know much about when this happened or what exactly happened yet as of our recording. Uh, but my guess and, and kind of what the scuttle bet is on the uh, baseball internet is that this happened sometime around the WBC. Um, and it's hard for me to not feel mad about this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Wainwright is selfish going around right now. I, I don't uh, think it's Wainwright's fault. I bet that I, my, my assumption is that the team knew and because they were riding on people like Steven Matz, Jack Flaherty. 40 billion year old Adam Wainwright and unproven pitchers, they were forced to use Adam Wainwright in this position. Um, mm. The team, they, I mean, I, I, the team has had this guy for how many years? They have all the medicals on him. You go through all the medical stuff in the beginning of the season, spring training, all of that stuff. They can ask for scan. It doesn't matter what the Cardinals front office knowledge of this was. They handled it horribly and essentially before any of us even knew it before anything even happened before the blue jays came to town the first series this year we were down a pitcher and they did nothing about it the season was shot in the leg the labrum was torn before we even got out of the gates yeah because he he started the season on the il if you remember right he after the wbc he pitched his like four innings or whatever, and then he started on the IL and then he came back. So yeah, they, they very, they knew they just, it was never communicated to, to anyone. Um, and the Wayno is selfish take is coming from the expect or the assumption that he also was in the room saying, put me in coach, put me in coach, put me in coach, you know, um, which I don't know, I guess we'll never know. And then he, but he'd say, put me in coach and then go out and get shelled. And then five days later, go out and get shelled and then get shelled, you know, and 
him and a lot of guys are key contributors into why we lost so many games and the season never really got off the ground. It wasted everyone's time. Like, yeah, I'm not saying that the season was sitting on the shoulder of Adam Wainwright. Right. But when you when your pitching is thin, when you have inconsistencies and you have injuries and then a guy who you are assigning, let's say conservatively, 170 innings, his shoulder isn't all the way together. His shoulder is torn. You don't need that. What are we doing? Yeah. And you like and again, I'll like hit back on this. Like maybe Wayno was arguing to get in there and, and saying that I know my shoulder's torn. I don't care. Of course, that's what players are going to do. They're yeah. always going to tell you, especially guys like Wayno. It's upon you to use your medical opinion, to use your staff, to use your resources, your knowledge, the juggernaut that is the Cardinals to tell you him know. No. To, yeah. to operate like a baseball team that's trying to win games. <laughs> like, yeah, that that is where I have uh, I like. I bring it up because I've been seeing it as a talking point, but I don't really agree with the, the even if I don't agree with the Wainwright is selfish take, because even if he ha- if he was in the room saying, put me in coach, put me in coach, that's his job. And it's the coach's job and the medical staff's job to tell him no. Right. And even though I I have very recently praised players for saying things like, don't put me in coach, I'm not feeling right. Uh, I think we also expect most guys are going to are going to like say, put me in, like put me in, put me in, put me in. And and that's kind of the, the whole competitive nature of most of these insane people who play sports for a living. So it's up to the coach and up to the medical staff to say no. Um, so. I don't think it was Wainwright being selfish either way, whether he was or wasn't, but like it, it you know, I've been seeing people say that. So I thought it was worth bringing. Where, up. where is the sense of urgency? Yeah. Like where, well, like you, and I'm not even saying like, Oh, they, okay, this happened. You have to go trade, you know, uh, supplant some of your future stars to go get one of the guys from Seattle or anything like that. Like, why not go get, if you have a guy who cannot throw a pitch because his shoulder is torn go yeah. get Paul Blackburn right. go go get anyone give one of your guys in the minors let him get seasoned why like a- anything anything other than throwing out the 41 year old broken pitcher yeah. why is that the option <laughs> yeah let him spend the entire first half of the season recovering and come back in July with not a torn labrum. I mean, I, I guess maybe the actual solution is, is a surgery that just ends his season, but um, still let him, let's not put him out there when, when winning games is, is still an opportunity. Well, it's just the same repeated complacency bullshit every year. Right. And, and you see why they do it. Cause it keeps working out. You know, 17 game winning streak, Albert Pujols, uh, you know, becoming an MVP, uh, Adam Wainwright last year, throwing nearly 200 innings at a three and a half ERA. Like they just, you know, roll these dice on these fringe outcomes. And when they don't work perfectly, sometimes they can supplement at 
uh, the midseason with another roll of the dice on additional fringe solutions to the problem. And it has it has worked as far as winning a playoff spot goes for several years in a row now. And then this is the first year where all of their little gambles on all of these like bad outcomes or all of these potential outcomes, like every single one of them failed. Right. There was like, like what was a good outcome this year? <laughs> you know, like, like, like not. Um, no, that's a good and, question. And Nolan Gorman is the single singular good outcome of 2023. Now, Mont- Montgomery, I would say was a good outcome until he was traded. That was a, yeah. that, that was a big win okay. in the Cardinals favor. Yeah. The development time contributed to Jordan Walker is a good thing. Uh, but, it still wasn't the outcome everyone was looking for was the more immediate impact. Um, I mean, the Cardinals wins the last time is is good. Yeah, I I actually agree with that. But when was the last time that you can remember that I'm just looking at baseball reference war right now that the Cardinals were let their, their most productive player was worth 3.4 wins. Like even in the slim years, you had a Jason Hayward putting up five or six war or Matt Carpenter having a, a close to MVP level season yeah. or, or Matt Carp, Holiday Carp was the carrying man. the weight. Hayward's one year was not to be, but I know not to pick out one thing, but Hayward's one year with us was the hundred was the hundred win season. But um, uh, yeah, like Carpenter was great for many years when the rest of the team was bad. Well, so. I'm just I'm just talking about ind- individual performances where the the best the most productive player and we had it was Paul Goldschmidt put 3.4, Wilson, Wilson Contreras put up 3.4, Lars Newbor 3.3 and Nolan Arenado 2.4. Like that is you know, whether it's injuries or ineffectiveness or, or whatever, like yeah. no team can be good when that is your ceiling. A yeah. average player is a two war player and these guys were put up 1.5 uh more war than right any you know any first baseman or catcher or whoever in baseball um obviously it's easier said than done blah 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 but there's just an average yeah, team not, that played average not, yeah below average sorry yeah it was an average team that underperformed and that's yeah. why they're in last place yeah. All right. Uh, really quick, moving on. Wilson Contreras met with a hand specialist who advised that the wrist problem can be healed through a non-surgical recovery process, though since the specialist was a second opinion, uh, it is implied the initial diagnosis recommended some kind of surgery. Um, so for the time being, Wilson Contreras is not going to get surgery. Uh, this Anytime I read something like this, and I get it, you know, guys don't want to be cut open. They don't want to be put under. They don't want to have to go through that rehab um, but this thing always kind of puts me on edge and, and just worries me a little bit. We'll find out more. Hopefully we get some news uh, updates around the winter meetings yeah. or something like that, but not, not great outlook for Wilson right now. Yeah. You know, you, we're not medical experts here, but I wonder if there's been any data on how often does the rest solution result in never needing the surgery or is it just delaying the inevitable? And if it's delaying it, 
seems to me that the very beginning of the off season is the best time to have the surgery. Now, actually the best time in this situation would have been like a month or two ago because we were right. already out of it, but you know, current standings, notwithstanding or whatever. Great sense. I said standing twice. And, uh, you know, now go, go and do the surgery would be my thought, but yeah, I get it. Everybody is reluctant to do the surgery and this is very easy for us to say than for them to do but it i have the same sort of nerves as you do around this yeah so we'll see uh you know the good news is you got to be excited about ivan herrera um and what he's bringing to the table so um yeah i don't know we'll see um but yeah that's all i got okay um well we've got a uh a bunch of other stuff to talk about after we remind everybody that this show is supported on Patreon. That's right. It's listener supported. If you enjoy the show, have enjoyed our coverage of the 2023 season, maybe even enjoyed, you know, ho- hopefully brought some enjoyment to a down season for you. Um, consider supporting the show via patreon.com, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Patrons of every level get access to our bird scored. It's our private discord server. We're hanging out, having a good time, having ourselves a party. Uh, we will be in there all off season as well. Talking about, uh, tracking the off season, watching bad baseball movies. Uh, we got a lot of plans for this off season should be fun. And, uh, you may be able to get into our fantasy baseball team, our fantasy baseball league for next year, which I won. Suck it. Beefy boys. (laughs) Wow. I I, am the, I have won our fantasy baseball league. So if you want to come at the King, you best not miss be a part of it next year. Uh, thoroughly proving that the fantasy baseball playoffs are a crapshoot. I have emerged victorious. <laughs> Good job. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Ben, I, ben will never admit this, um, but he's crying right now. He's yeah. actively, he's wiping tears. It's uh. It's frankly, it's embarrassing though. So I love fantasy baseball. I know you do clean yourself up. Okay. Wipe yourself off. You dead. Uh, is that rush hour? I have no idea. (laughs) You're killing it today though. uh, Yeah. Patreon.com slash talking about birds. Ben, if people want to support us, otherwise, where can they find us online? We are on Twitter at talk about birds on Instagram at talking about birds. Uh, we are on Spotify. If you want to listen to this podcast on Spotify, and I know that you do check us out there. Uh, we got a TikTok. find us there. Uh, email questions, thoughts, concerns, criticisms, judgments to talk about birds at gmail.com. Um, and of course you can go to the website to find all of that information. Simply talk, talking, sorry, talking about birds.com. All right, Ben. So at the midseason, uh, right around the All-Star break, you and I decided to do a little segment where we were going to make some predictions about how the second half of the season would go. And we each did, I think, four. And we are now suitably enough past that, uh, the end of the season, to look back at our predictions and see just how well we did. Wow. Um, so I will start with mine. 
but uh spoilers we are bad at this <laughs> so um yeah you were really I, bad at this yeah i don't one i think you could kind of make a slight argument for but mostly i'd say i swung and missed on all four of mine so uh, my first one was Carlson leads in war. And what I meant was no. le- uh, Dylan Carlson will lead the outfielders in war in the second half of the season. Um, someday I'm going to stop loving Dylan Carlson and predicting him to be one of the best outfielders on our team, if not in the NL. Um, I don't know if I'm quite there yet. But uh, I was definitely not there a few months ago when I predicted this. And yeah, he basically did not play in the second half. So yeah. uh, big miss on that one. It's worth My a total one. of 0.5 baseball reference war this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my next prediction was that Jordan Walker will get second in the rookie of the year voting. Now, we have not gotten the votes in yet. So technically, this one is still alive. But I think we both know he is unlikely to finish second overall. It would be a shocking, shocking conclusion. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I, I don't think he's going to end up even top five. Um, so. Um, yeah, no, he's not. He's yeah. not going to be close. No. Damn. Not even close. Yeah. Maybe, maybe top 10, but even that it'll be like, yeah. So. Uh, my next one was Steven Matz is the best starter in the second half. This was looking good. Yeah, I was, I was, and this is the one that I think, you know, if I really wanted to like plant a flag and argue, I, you, cause I didn't qualify what best starter in the second half means. Um, I was hoping it'd be pretty clear, uh, but until he got injured, this was looking true. He yeah. was looking like the best starter for the Cardinals in the second half. I, I think it's close enough. I, I would give it to you because he he really was looking good. Um, and yeah. no one else was doing any better. Was a low bar. Low bar traded, jump. So, yeah. 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 Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give myself at least a half a point for that one. And then finally, Matthew Libertor ends the season in the rotation. Uh, he very much did not. He ended the season no. very clearly in the bullpen. So while I think he will be playing for a rotation spot in 2024, he did not end the season in the rotation. So yeah. uh bunch of misses here for, for old for old Nate. Yeah, not great. Um yeah, I guess I'll go through mine. Uh the first one was the Cardinals. Cardinals will have a record above five hundred in the second half despite trading off MLB players. Uh, they got close ish. They, I think I yeah. said it earlier, they had a 458 winning percentage in the second half. They did trade away MLB players. Um, but yeah, no, still, still not 500. Um, although they did improve, which, like we said, was just had to happen. Yeah. Um, Jordan Walker hits 25 homers for the season. He was about uh, nine off, <laughs> 16. <laughs> yeah, um, you I were thought- really. We, uh, Ours had to happen together. If he did in the season at 25 home runs, that would have been a true second half binge. And maybe yeah. he gets second in the rookie of the year voting. And if I remember correctly, I, I was kind of saying, like, I thought that there was going to be a month where he hit like 10. 
I just thought right. a, a barrage was coming in it. Yeah. Never really did, but he obviously he looked better and better. And man, I will say like his ability to take the low and outside pitch the opposite way with authority was really, really exciting. Um, and I think yeah. great for his development, but those balls weren't going over the wall. So, you know, right here yeah. it is. Um, next one, Mason Wynn takes over shortstop. That I think was pretty much fully correct. Um, yep. It happened. He did it. He looked fine. Um, hopefully that bat comes around, but, uh, yes, that, that did happen. Uh, and the Cardinals will trade for a young starting pitcher with health concerns. Um, I guess technically that's true. Um, yeah. Roby. Yeah. I was thinking, you, you know, as written, you could say that was to Roby. It's, I don't know if that's what you meant that it would be a prospect. I think, you meant it would be someone who would be in the major league starting rotation at the time of the trade, but as written, yeah, a a, a pitcher with health concerns, yeah, as written, I I think I'm technically correct, but if I'm getting back into the headspace I was at that time, believe I was specifically targeting one of those guys with the Marlins. I think Edward Cabrera. I was talking about him at some point. Um, mm-hmm. who, who else is there? There's a couple of guys, uh, uh, that I was talking about, um, um, on that team that I, I was hoping the Cardinals would go after. And obviously that, that never really came to fruition, but you know, as you taught me, Nate, never take an L to Koarobi. Let's go. Well, technically correct is the highest form of correct. So of course, yeah, people love it. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing better. Um, so yeah, so uh, we, we did do some preseason predictions as well. Um, but I'm going to save those for a, a later episode. Um, we, we, Matt, we also tied those together with, um, like our predictions for all the major rewards in the MLB as well. So when we get into that part of the off season, we'll look at our, our full 2023 predictions and all of our different yeah. awards. And, um, Ben, I don't know that we got a that we got a one of them right. <laughs> season so, didn't go very well, Nate. Season, yeah, yeah, it didn't go well for any of us. And uh, as we've said before, we like to keep it positive, and it's well, we haven't been very positive this episode, and it was hard to find some positivity this year. And our predictions yeah. reflect all of that. Yeah, we're we're always gonna shoot for the the, the we're moon. like the Cardinals front. We're the Cardinals front office. We just hope for the best. Um, but it's not our choice. We're not the ones who actually have anything to do with it. So, yeah, um, I also thought it would be good for us to wrap up our draft day heroes and hatchlings. Wow. Uh, game we did. So if you we, we've checked in on this a number of times, but if you are new to the show since the last time we checked in on this uh, at the beginning of the season, Ben and I did a draft. We were drafting six total players each, three of them from the 26 man, three of them from not the 26 man. We were tracking their fan graphs war all year and whoever uh, acquired the or, or accrued the most combined fan graphs war wins. Last year, this came down to a stunning finish, a photo finish, if you will. And I got to tell you, Ben, this year is close as well. So wow. uh, I'm going to run down the teams. Uh, so I drafted Nolan Arenado, 
Nolan Gorman, Dylan Carlson, Matt Liberatore, Gordon Graceffo, and Moises Gomez. Ben, you drafted Paul Goldschmidt, Tyler O'Neill, Tommy Edmond, Mason Wynn, Zuniga, Guillermo Zuniga, and Jake Walsh. Wow. So we both ultimately had four of our six people contribute uh, war to our totals. Uh, you have the distinction of having the only person who ultimately ends up with negative war uh, in the name of Mason Wynn. Sad. But let's run, let's run down the numbers. So Nolan Arenado ends the season. This is Fangraphs War. I think earlier you were looking at baseball reference war. Ending Correct. the season on Fangraphs War, Nolan Arenado, 2.6. He actually went down 0.3 in the last uh, month or so. Man, of the season. what a year for Nolan. Yeah, it is his second worst season. Uh, his worst season being, and this is just on war total. His rookie year, he was at like 1.8. His sophomore year, he was at 2.6. And then he has been you know, Nolan Arenado for a decade. And then now he is, this is the, he matches his sophomore season at 2.6. Yeah. Rough uh, year. Rough year. Barely above average war. Uh, Nolan Gorman, the only real bright spot on my team, 2.5. Almost as productive as Nolan Arenado. Uh, Dylan Carlson, a hot, 0. 0.2 uh, F4. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this team was rough. But then get this. Matt Libertor. Yeah. 0. 0.8. Yeah, he I mean, we four. talked about this. He got half of that from that one start against the uh, Rays, and the they Rays. looked great coming out of the bullpen. So that was yeah. huge. Yeah. I saw, I, I forget where I saw this, but it was something like, could, An could Matt Libertor be the Cardinals' Andrew Miller? And basically yeah. comparing him to Andrew Miller as a as a elite left hander out of the bullpen. And obviously that's not what we all were hoping out of Matt Libertor. But if he ends up being a relief ace, well, you, we need pitching everywhere. So yeah. and I think we all remember not the Cardinals, Andrew Miller, same guy, but Andrew Miller when he was with the uh, Yankees the Guardians. Guardians and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Baltimore yeah. for a second. Yeah, they, he, was, uh, he was elite. He he kind of changed what a reliever was. That's exactly what I was going to say. Instrumental in the entire reliever revolution. So, uh, and then Gordon Graceffo, zero. Moises Gomez, zero. Um, Still shocked we never saw Moises Gomez come up this year. Yeah, same. All right, Ben. Paul Goldschmidt, 3.7. Let's go. You had the highest. That was the highest on the team of the people that we selected by a lot. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, 0.8. Woof. Yeah. Tommy Edmond, 2.5. Let's go. And then Mason Wynn, negative 0.8. Yeah, that's, that's really rough. Yeah, it's bad. Um, and then... Guillermo Zuniga and Jake Walsh, both a zero. So drum rolls, please. Ben, my final score is a 6.1 combined F4. Sure. Your final score was a 6.0.
Got you by 0.1 F4. We once that again. So stupid <laughs> and inconsequential <laughs> that I won't give you the satisfaction of victory. Winner, winners win. I don't need you to give me the satisfaction. I am self-motivated. And I, I want. you luckily, I know that you know how war is calculated enough that you know in your heart that this means nothing. No, that's not at all. I know that we made a challenge between the two of us and that I have won. If, if so. you want to be willfully ignorant, then that's that's mm-hmm. fine and dandy. Yeah. Um, nope. it's, it's a crime. It's a crime that Mason Wynn is negative war. It is also equally a crime that Zuniga never ever contributed to this bullpen. I cannot believe that is how this worked out. Yeah. Yeah. We both, I would have been happy to lose because Zuniga put up two war out of the bullpen, but, uh, nope. Maybe next year. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. What? Stop the press. Why does, okay. I'm looking on fan graphs right now. I pull up Guillermo Zuniga. And I'm showing that he has two innings pitched, two games, and I am showing that he has a value of 0.1. Is that right? Hold Look on. Look at Please. Even, please, I right now. Even. I am not pulling your leg. Oh, my God. I didn't even... I Honestly, I didn't even look at him. You I, didn't I, even I, think to look, did you? <laughs> well, Ben, you know what? I, I have something to say. You're totally right. The way war is calculated is bullshit, and we both know <laughs> that <laughs> there is... That this whole thing and whatever you want to do to make yourself feel better. Yes. Okay. So we both ended up at a 6.1. That's hilarious. That's two years in a row. So we tied. When did this happen? He had a game. Yeah. I remember he 8, came up 19. and then got hurt. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'd forgotten about point it. He accrued point one more. Which is crazy because he, well, so two innings, he gave up one run. He struck out three guys. Yeah. Good for him. So That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I thought to look at that. I just had to pull it up. So we tied. We tied. We well, need to. We how does this la- happen t- two years in a row? We tied last year, too. Uh, what was our tiebreaker? I think it was baseball reference war. I'll, I'll calculate it. Okay, let's uh, yeah, let's do B ref. That's that sounds fine. I'll do that. Uh, we'll we'll have the exciting conclusion of this next week. That's ridiculous. We've tied two years in a row. That's so uh, funny. Baseball Reference War. Guillermo Zuniga uh, collected zero. So just uh, <laughs> well, we'll leave well, that there for now. It's a great start for me. Yeah, um, that's so funny. <sighs> All right. Wow. Okay. Well, join us next week, folks, as we uh, as we figure out the um, the final score here. Yeah. Um, let's go into some uh, league news. Ben, what do you got for us? Yeah, yeah. Not not too much going on. Obviously, we got the playoffs started, um, but managers are losing their jobs left and right. Angels part ways with their manager, uh, uh, Phil Nevin, who I think is a bit of a ding dong. So not surprised. Yep. Um, that being said, a bit of a scapegoat here. Uh, the Angels were bad. It was not Phil Nevin's fault. Um, yeah. They're a bad org uh, with not great players and a terrible history of health in that organization. Uh, yeah. 
Buck Showalter. I think this one was pretty surprising to me. Buck Showalter will not return as a Mets manager in 2024. Obviously, with David Stearns coming in, um, he wanted to hire his own guy. I personally would have let Buck play out his the final year of his contract. He's well-liked yeah. there. Um, this was not his fault. This year was not his fault, in my opinion. Um, they had injuries and bad luck. Um, and, and I think that the Mets are just flawed, not to mention they traded away players uh, at the midpoint that, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. But um, if I'm David Stearns, I, I let Buck stay there. So I was pretty surprised by that move. Yeah, I was surprised as well. I, um, I, I think it's not uncommon for a new big, you know, big wig to come in to the organization and want to hire their own guys. But he seemed like the obvious one to to let let him finish it out. He's such a, a well-respected, storied manager. Like, give him a give him the give him his last year. And he won um, the stupid award last year, the manager of the year. And that it just makes that award essentially mean nothing um, to anybody. It's just. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I hate that award. And it it just how many times has he won the award and then been fired the next year or the two years after the fact that he's done that? But yeah, anyways. Yeah, well, Schilt, Schilt won it and then, yep. you know, fired right after. Um, and then the Giants uh, fired Gabe Kapler. I would mark this one the same as uh, as the Buck Showalter. I, I don't really understand it. I think we've talked about that. I think Gabe Kapler does a great job of using his roster. Um, and I think it comes down to the Giants have a bad roster. It's the most boring team in baseball. Um, they have Logan Webb, who is probably the best, but also most boring pitcher. Like if, if there's an X, Y access, his right, like right. production to level of boringness are at the tippity top. Um, they don't have any pitching. Their most exciting player outside of that is Wilmer Flores. Um, it This team is poorly constructed um and this feels very scapegoaty again to me i don't I don't understand why you get rid of gabe kapler he seemed like a great fit there and um i don't know he he's a weird guy but uh smart pro analytics and i i don't know he he'll he'll get a job i think i was surprised as well um it did actually make me think a little bit about schilt where it's like was there something some internal disagreement because they're such a system team. Yeah. You know, was there something that he did that like they just did not fundamentally agree on and felt the need to get rid of him? Um, so I don't know. It, it, it like, it didn't make any sense to me either. I, yeah. I was very surprised. I agree. Uh, and in Rockies news, uh, I was actually at the game. I went to my final Rockies game of the year uh, before Charlie Blackman comes to lead off the game. The Rockies announce over the PA that they have extended him to a one-year extension. Uh, very, very exciting. Big pop. Everybody went crazy, and Charlie had a good game. So um, this deal makes no sense. Uh, the Rockies don't need yeah. Charlie Blackman, um, but the Rockies are going to Rocky, and, you know, from my seat, at least I get to watch somebody I like for one more year. Yeah, it's the Wainwright signing, right? Like, yeah, you know, he he's a legacy player at this point for them. And having Charlie Blackman next year is not going to be the difference between them and a playoff team. Uh, and if the fans like it and, you know, you have some fun with it, then why not? 
The, the, he was right. he was okay this year, right? He he had a bit He's of fine. a bounce back year. Yeah. Yeah. No, Charlie Blackman is a good player. He he has been a good hitter. For a very, I think he's actually massively underrated. He's not going to the Hall of Fame or anything like that, but he's been a good, he's been an above average player for a very long time. Um, and yeah, leadership and blah, blah, blah. And he's usually fairly healthy. And yeah, I, who doesn't love yeah. Charlie Blackman? If you don't right. like Charlie Blackman, you're not paying attention. Uh, I was just recently, I was talking to someone, they were asking me about rule changes and whether I liked them or not. And it made me think about, you know, we were you've been to a ton of Rockies games this year, obviously. But uh, when I came out there and we went to the three Cardinal games out there it was early April. So the, yeah. they, they do that thing there where they play the the song for Charlie Blackman. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it, it's a fun thing. Everybody. Um, uh, everybody sings it. But they clearly had not accounted for the, the new short time in between uh, at bats. So they kept messing up when to start his song. So yeah. no one got to sing along for it. I'm assuming by now they've gotten it figured out. So when he leads off the game, it's figured out. But sometimes it's not in between innings. But what happens now is that if the song is cut off prematurely, the stands just sing the song until it gets okay. to tonight. Um, so it, it still happens every time, but sometimes it's cut off really early. <laughs> and then you'll just hear a tonight like you know, yeah. a few seconds after okay. it's already cut off. But no, it has not been perfected. The Rockies can't perfect anything. Of course not. Okay. All right. Uh, and then outside of that, um, I have some playoff bracket stuff. We're running long. All I really want to say is that I want the Blue Jays to win their wild card series. I want the uh, Rangers to win their wild card series. I want Arizona to win theirs. And I want Miami to beat Philadelphia. Um, hmm. That's what I'm pulling for. I, I've decided that I don't want to see the Dodgers, the Astros, or the Braves in the World Series. And I'm pretty much rooting yeah. for chaos outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, if we're asking what we want, I I feel very similar to you. Yeah. Like, give me all the bottom seed teams. <laughs> give me the Blue Jays running it up. You know, we got two bird teams in the uh, AL. That's who I'm rooting for. I want a Blue Jays, Baltimore, ALCS. ALCS. That'd be great. Yeah. And then I'll say a Marlins, Diamondbacks, and LCS is what I yeah. want to. Now, that being said, if that happens, the National League is going to get trounced in the World Series. Yes. Um, I, I think the Braves are just so, so good. Um, yeah. It just it seems hard for them not to be there, but that's that's what I'm pulling for. Um, all right. One final thing, Tim Wakefield just wanted to kind of shout him out. He obviously passed away in a bit of a tragedy really, but somebody who I, even though he was a Red Sox, I just always thought was awesome. Like the knuckleballer of my formative baseball years. Um, and I mean, you know, multiple world series championships, um, just an all around awesome person, awesome pitcher. And I just kind of wanted to make sure that we said his name. 100%. Did you see George Kirby uh, through a knuckleball? In, and it was nasty. It was nasty. Of course it was. Uh, and he said it was in honor of Tim Wakefield. So, so cool. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, hey, fuck Kurt Schilling. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're going to end on a little game. Ben, I got a new one for you. I got okay. a new game. I got a new game. All right. So we're going into the off season. And contracts, we've already done it a little bit. Contracts are going to be 
all the news, right? We're going to be talking yep. numbers left and right. So it made me think about uh, contract sizes and like the history of baseball and, okay. um, and just what we, uh, where we've come from. So I wow. went digging around and looking at some historic St. Louis Cardinals and how much money they made over their career. Okay. And so I have a game where you are going to be guessing how much money a famous St. Louis Cardinal made during their career. And in their game, I'm calling your income, you lose some. <laughs> so stupid. So thanks to Molly for help with that uh, game name. <laughs> Good job. Glad you guys could come together as a couple. Yeah. Um, so is this paid uh, full paid out or paid by the St. Louis Cardinals? Full paid through their entire career. Okay. Okay. And here's how this game works. Yeah. I'm going to give you a name and you have to guess how much money they made over their career. Okay. I, I, then, I, I don't want to talk about but I, I like paying attention to this kind of thing. Uh, we'll see. Okay. I, I feel moderately confident before you've said anything so far. So I'm going to track the... Uh, you're going to say a number and I'm going to compare it to the actual number that they got. Okay. And, uh, we'll see what, we'll see what your final score is. Is this price is right? Um, no, it'll just be like, absolutely. That's difference. what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So we'll add up all the dollars that you were wrong on. All right. And, uh, we'll see how far off you were. Okie dokie. Okay. So we're starting out the man himself. Oh Lord, here he comes. Stan usual. How much money <laughs> Damn it. did he make in okay. his career? <laughs> oh shit. Okay. <laughs> so I, I like to pay attention to the current ones. I don't really know the far back ones, although that I know that it's always like a staggeringly low amount of money. Yeah. Um so I'm gonna tell you we are starting at Stan Usual and we're working our way up. So okay. I've got uh I think five guys. Yeah. Burgers and Burgers fries. And fries. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> God. Okay. Stan, the man usual. I'm going to guess over his like 20 year career. Yeah. 3,000 hits. Inner Circle Hall of Fame. The number uh, 14 million is popping into my mind. So I'm going to say 14 million career earnings. And that feels high because it was so long ago. But yeah, I'll say 14. I'll leave it there. Ben, he made $980,000. Oh. <laughs> See, that is shocking. I know that it's 80 years ago or whatever, but yeah, shocking. $13, $13 million in the 50s. Like, he would have been president. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, damn. All right. You got to recalibrate a little bit. Lou Brock, how much did he make? Man, I have no idea. Um, I'm going to guess his. <sighs> I, I, I have five million bucks. I have no idea. Shooting from the hip. Well, you're closer, yes. but you were $13 million wrong on the last one. So he made $1,136,800. Yeah, I, I can't do this. 
math in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going back and remembering how much a dollar was worth in the 1960s. This is impossible. All right. We're getting closer though. We're getting, we're moving up. Okay. Yeah. Um, Willie McGee. And, and uh, if it isn't clear, this is just from contracts, right? So we're not yeah. talking, this isn't like celebrity net worth or whatever. Sure, this sure. is the reported contracts that they signed. Uh, Willie McGee. Uh, I will go with 22 million bucks. All right, man, you, I'm, this is as close as I think you could really get. He made 23 million, 440,000. So, okay. Pretty this good on least that one. In, in financial situations that I have some context for. Yeah. You're living that big baller lifestyle and you're like, now you're getting into my money range. That's, that's what I meant by that. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Now we're fully into the modern era. Ray Lankford. How much money did Ray Lankford make in his uh, career? I think he's like, he's like 85 to 95, I think. So I'm, I'll just split the difference and say 90 million career earnings. Somewhere, somewhere right around there. You're pretty high on this one, Ben. He made really? 47 million. Oh, come pay the guy. Up. Seven hundred and ninety-five thousand. I am disappointed. One dollar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he made forty-eight million dollars in the nineties. I think he got. He's doing okay for himself. He did. <laughs> I pay him more than that. <laughs> yeah. All right, and then finally, Matt Holiday. How much did he make in his career? So his deal with the Cardinals was like a hundred and seven or something like that one twenty one thirty something around that so I'll say I would put his career earnings around 150 ish but I'll hedge my bet because I bit keep going high I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 138 uh well you were actually closer with your first guess so Damn he it. made. One hundred and fifty nine million nine hundred and seventeen. Here we go. Thousand one hundred and one dollars. So you were uh, so that's it. You were about 13 million off for uh, <laughs> Stan the man. you were about four million off for uh, Lou Brock. You were just under one and a half million off for Willie. You were forty two and a half million off for uh, Langford, and then you were twenty one million off for uh, almost twenty two million off for Matt Holiday. So you were about uh, doing this all real quick in my head. You were about eighty four million dollars off across all of these guesses. Yeah, um, and so this is the first time we're playing it. So we'll see how how that stack ranks, but. Uh, you got, I mean, I'll give you the, the, the Willie one, you know, you were just, just under one and a half million off from him. So that was pretty good. Yeah. They should uh, pay their players more. It's hard to adjust, uh, for how little I, cause I just, so I was curious, like how much is, um, did, you know, Stan usual made $57,000 in 1954. And that's only equal to like $500,000 in today's money. Yeah. Um, yeah. now obviously like, 
he's fine. Stan Musial lived a great life and everything like that. But yeah, it's it's really crazy to try to wrap your brain around how much it has exploded in the past 20 years compared to all yeah. of baseball's history. Well, the the really the late 80s into the 90s is when it really started to explode. Obviously, now we're in like hundreds of millions and, and whatnot, and it's becoming like deep generational wealth and whatnot. But like just looking at uh, like Lou Brock to Willie McGee, um, which if they didn't uh, directly overlap, th- there's not that big of a gap in between their their careers. I could look it up real quick. Um, you know, Lou Brock made one like one point one million, and Lou Brock is, you know, uber all time player, right? Um, uh, and Willie McGee is a Cardinal favorite, and he had some peaks and whatnot. But he's not like he's not as known as Lou Brock. He made twenty three million. Yeah, not that long after Lou Brock. Yeah, right. And then Ray Langford, who I think we all believe is criminally underrated, made almost fifty million dollars just yeah. from his career. You know, so it's really that late eighties and early and into the nineties is when it became like players are getting like hella paid and becoming like really wealthy now yeah. like you said mutual he you know a lot of these guys the, the the superstars were supplementing with a lot of other ways of of making income too um so this is not like yeah. their entire earnings but players sure. today are, are also doing that so yeah you know. i'm sure stan mutual had like a lucrative deal with vicks vapor rub or something <laughs> yeah. like that yeah dapper dan's like yeah. uh mustache wax or something right yeah yeah so. Well, that was tough. I thought I was going to be decent at that, and I was not. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, those old ones, it's so hard, you know. But you did also get Matt Holiday wrong, so. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, well, we could play this again with a guest, a guest, and then you can we could do, like, Price is Right rules, you know, which might be a little more fun, a little no, bit more. I'm always bad at those, so yeah. we'll just never play this again, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Well, that was your income, you lose some. And uh, stupid. Thank you all for listening this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, following the playoffs. Cardinals are out, but we love baseball. There's still baseball. So we'll be following that and, and talking about it through the through the rest of October. Um, reach out if you have something that you want us to talk about. If you have any ideas for offseason coverage, let us know. Uh, we're pretty open right now. to what we can talk about. Uh, so. Um, all the social media we reached out, we linked earlier. And again, patreon.com slash talking about birds. With that, we'll go ahead and call it. Until next week, go Orioles. Yeah, go Orioles. Go Orioles. <laughs>